Hi, and welcome to our Friends the Anthology episode 10. Wow. That was fast. It was fast. Anyway, this is episode 10, or our second episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 4, episode 10. Also episode 10. Wow. Was that on purpose, Ron? Yes. Synchronicity is what they call that. It's called Hush. This episode I remember. And I also remember talking about it in the screenwriting class that I took at SC. Oh, cool. Yeah. They were like, please don't ever write something like that. No, they were, they were complimentary. I think he was nominated for an Emmy. Hmm, I believe that. So should we do a quick summary? Yeah. Do you want to do the summary this time? Sure. Buffy's in college. She's dating a guy. We can come back. She's dating a guy <laughs> that is a monster slayer for the military even though he's a college student uh-huh it's one. basically sunny what's it called sunnydale yeah it's sunnydale university's version of the rotc so anyway what happens is that these monsters come and they steal everybody's voices and they start collecting hearts they have to collect seven i think to do who knows but it's bad yeah and they have to figure out how to buffy and her what is it called the scooby gang yeah. They have to come up with a way to defeat these people, but they don't know anything about them, and they're all looking it up in books that Giles has. Is it Giles or Giles? Giles. So anyway, Giles and the Scooby gang and Buffy, and they're all trying to figure out how to defeat these monsters who are really creepy looking. And basically all they know is that some it's from a fairy tale, and somebody screamed, and that's how they all die. They can't. They have to have it. A human scream will kill them. So I'm trying to figure out if you mentioned that they stole their voices. I yeah. Don't. Okay. Oh, didn't I? I don't know. I thought I did, but we can make that extra clear. Yeah. Nobody. The can monsters talk. stole everyone's voices. No one can talk. Yeah. Everybody's mute. And then at the end, they managed to kill the monsters by screaming, by destroying the box that holds all their voices, and then screaming. Buffy screams. Also, not the right scream. Did you ever see that Brian De Palma movie, Blow Up? No, Blow Out. Which no. one's the Michelangelo Antonioni movie? I think Blow Up is the camera one, and this is Blow Out. It's with sound. It's the same premise with sound. Oh. But uh, it's a Brian De Palma movie with John Travolta. Anyway, he's a horror, he's like the sound guy for a horror for horror movies, for like B horror movies, slasher movies. And the beginning of the movie is that they're trying to find the right scream for the girl. She has the right breast but the wrong scream <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah like in that kind of scene and so she's like cast for her looks she doesn't have the scream and for a, for a slasher movie you have to have a scream queen so anyway i thought of that when buffy screams long circuitous route back to buffy <laughs> i i kind of like that scream i like that it's not the typical because we all know what the blonde girl screaming in a, in a horror movie sounds like yeah, and there's a that. reason we have that you don't go for a naturalistic scream. There's a reason we have a great scream. It's cinematic. And in a moment, a climactic moment like that, you want a real scream. You don't want this like timid, horrible scream. It wasn't timid. It was barely guttural. escapes. No, it wasn't. It was she so hadn't awful. talked in forever. The biggest problem with Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the screams. <laughs> that You have it on record here. That is what you had that to say last episode flaw. about band candy. <laughs> That's the flaw of the show. I'll tell Joss Whedon. Please. No, anyway, whatever. So anyway, so back to the episode. The biggest stakes, moment of most intense stakes, 
probably when he gets into the elevator and can't remember the passcode. <laughs> That's actually kind of true. Okay, another thing I have to comment on, those dudes who follow the hush monsters around in straight jackets and just wave their hands around a lot like they're in a musical. I knew they're doing a dance. Oh my god. So fucking funny. (laughs) Watch this episode if only for that. Oh man. They don't. Yeah. So the gentlemen are the main monster. Oh, that's right. And they have this really creepy appearance. Oh, great character design. This grin kind of plaster on their faces at all times. They have these long fingers that they're the way they move is very just sort of dancer like. Yeah, because they can't talk. And they don't they're very they're mimes, basically. And they don't walk. They float through the right. air off the ground. And I wanted to ask you, how did they how did they achieve that? I don't know. Oh, I, I thought you would. Think, I think I watched something on it a while ago, and they I think they had cranes, and they were in harnesses. Hmm. They were definitely on wires of some kind, suspended somehow. Okay. Yeah. In Even in the outdoor shots? I think so. I think that was a back lot. Well, yeah. And they had a crane. I thought there would be some kind of like, okay, I don't know what I was thinking. Like green screen segue. No, but something that like invisible that they're gliding on. Hmm. Or some kind of clever cheat like that. Because some of those shots are from wide and they're gliding. And let me ask you this. How did they get those guys in those straight jackets <laughs> to do such a great job? Uh, just a lot of hard work. <laughs> All right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this an ant? Wasn't this Josh Sweden's answer to the criticism that like he relied so much on pithy dialogue? That sounds right. I feel like I remember some kind of story like that. Yeah. And it is a great answer. Well, actually, the funny thing is you watch this episode with that. Like, let's say you didn't know that and you go, all right. Yeah, it's not that difficult to write an episode without dialogue. That's the thing. He makes it look really easy. Yeah. It's actually really hard. And it's entertaining and it's still funny even yeah. without any he gets jokes in. Joke. yeah especially they got did they get a masturbation pantomime joke oh yeah there? yeah there's a masturbation pantomime joke in but there. the best joke is when she go where they draw buffy on, and then they project her on the th- and then she's like complains about her figure yeah there's also there's some really phenomenal gags uh between spike and xander yeah uh, so yeah. spike is sort of and the, why does he hate xander that's part of the i think they were that's like a one of the more serialized parts of it. What was their deal? Why do they not like each other? I honestly can't remember the start of it. I just know okay. that that's a very long running hatred. Okay. Spike, Spike used to be a bad guy, right? evil, yeah. yeah. He was one of the main villains from, I think, season two. Okay. And then eventually was kind of, sort of housebroken, but always has this edge to him that he just gives no shit. So the one great thing about them not being able to talk to each other is it creates so many misunderstandings. Yeah. And occasionally they'll use that for humor, but also to show like conflict. Right. And like the point of it is because it's the same way, like this is kind of what I don't like about Buffy. It's so thinly disguised. So like in Band Candy, the point is her mom and Giles treat her like a kid and it's kid gloves and they don't trust her and they're over parenting her and she can't live her life and she doesn't have any freedom. And then the arc of that is that okay now the reversal is we'll have all the parents acting like kids and then she can appreciate where they're coming from a little better and then they can appreciate that she's more of an adult 
when they realize like they did that she did something without them. Right. And in this one, it's like people aren't talking to each other and then now they can't talk and they have to learn how to communicate better. Yeah. Even without the word. And then there's another reversal at the end where Buffy finds out that Riley is in this like monster crime fighting force. And he finds out that she's a vampire slayer and, it all came out in the open, but they couldn't talk about it. And then when they do get their voices back. That's ruined so many relationships of mine. <laughs> but at, and then at the end, they're left sitting on the bed, able to talk, but they have their voices, but they're just, they can't really say anything to each other. I mean, I, look, it, it's not Shakespeare, but I do think it is head and shoulders above just about anything that... This is one of the best episodes of Buffy that I remember. Yeah. So you do... Regardless of the state straitjacket guys dancing around, you'd like this episode? Yeah, more okay. or less. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of stuff in their elevator scene for sure. Yeah. There is Although some... I like the payoff. I like the joke at, in that. Also, for an episode without dialogue, I guess I find it a little cheap when they do cut to her using the computer to talk. I was like, couldn't you have just kept that going for the full episode? I mean, they all find ways like that like the whiteboards and she's just talking through it's just it's basically like okay we can't talk so we'll just use the computer to talk you know what i mean okay anyway i'm nitpicking a little bit it's okay you can nitpick i have thick skin on buffy's (laughs) yeah no (laughs) no there's other things to bring the acting's a lot better in season four or at least in this episode than from band candy yeah for like leaps and bounds better i really don't like riley Oh, can I say something? I don't like the costume design in this show. Ever. Huh. Except for Willow's. Willow's, yeah, she looks cute. That's not what I meant. It just fits the character. Yeah, no, I mean, Willow is cute. Like, it, it, Willow's a cute character. Okay, Ron, the erection is getting (laughs) way too big. Let's talk about Riley. Oh, he sucks. Riley does suck. Riley's the worst part about season four. Yeah. And... It really drags it down. The whole paramilitary thing is... I think also that just in terms of potential guys she could date, the gentlemen were all <laughs> seen kind of, right? Yeah. Did you get that? They're all very polite. The, gentle, the leader the of the gentlemen, for sure. Why did they leave the box out if it's the only thing that could kill them? The box with all the voices. They left it on a table with random other shit. They're like, this isn't important. I mean, they had to leave it somewhere. I guess it could have, in hindsight, been better protected. They but, leave it on a table with junk. They leave oh, it on no, a table, with, it on the the table hearts. with the hearts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That makes sense. It's kind of an altar, I guess. I do love that moment, by the way, where Buffy's getting strangled and she motions for Riley to crush the box and you break something else. And, and he's really so happy. proud he's of really himself. satisfied, yeah. Uh, and then she makes a really good pan. She's good at charades. Yeah. Her box pantomime is excellent. <laughs> well, we can't see it, you girl. Yeah, we can't see it. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is a podcast. But it's good, right? Tell yeah. them how good it was. Yeah, it's good. It's a really strong premise. I think it's a really good execution of a strong premise as well. And as you said, I think what a hard thing to pull off. I mean, most and, of an And making it look talking. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first blush, you think, oh, it doesn't, you know, what was so excellent about what he did without using dialogue like the story just progresses the same way any other buffy episode would work but then you think back and you're like yeah that's that's really you know to make sure every character is saying the same things in their voice without 
dialogue is really interesting. The big mystery to me about Buffy, because I don't really like this show. We're not done yet. Yeah, two episodes left. (laughs) But I don't, I want to understand so badly why people are so enamored with it and like what that because it had such a big impact and I want to understand more of that and I started to look up stuff like this I count found kind of interesting I started to look up stuff about Willow and there's a big thing I mean there's like some debate to it but there's a big thing about how you know the first great lesbian character ever portrayed on tv and also as a jewish character i guess although there's more debate with that where some people go she wasn't jewish enough (laughs) no i i think it was something like they do her somebody complained that they they use her judaism only in contrast to christian things like as if jews can't exist outside of christianity like it's only in comic relief as opposed to christian traditions like because i guess she would make jokes like it would be christmas and then she'd go santa misses my house or skips my house because of the big menorah or something like that yeah anyway it was i was reading but then other people were like no this is a really good like there's a female jewish person who doesn't her sexuality isn't diminished because of her religion and it's part of her and like she feel and like it opposes some of the things like i guess they make a comment when she's putting crucifixes on her wall oh yeah but she's jewish and she's like how would my dad feel and stuff like that which i think is really interesting yeah this is n- none of this is in the, epi- the two episodes we watched. no but i think it's worth it's worth talking about with that stuff when i started to read about that i was like this is really interesting stuff and i can see more what grabs people about it buffy was a show that was very unapologetic and willing to take risks the other show at the time were and it was clearly driven by Joss Whedon, you know, and I think... And it's also, I think a big part of it, and we like talked in circles around it, but kind of what you realize is that this is an ensemble show and everybody gets a lot of stuff. Everybody yeah. gets a lot of shades and layers. It's not just Buffy. Maybe she might even be the least interesting. There's even a line in the last episode we watched where Charisma Carpenter's character, Cordelia... Wait, you mean Band Candy? Yeah. Why isn't she around in the college thing? What happens to her? After high school, she went to Los Angeles and she's in the show Angel. She's uh, one of the main recurring characters. That makes sense because they both look a lot older than the rest of the people <laughs> in this show. Cordelia has a line where they're stressing about the SATs. Yeah, and, and she Cordelia goes, I says, have shades. She says, I do really well in standardized tests. And everyone looks at her because she is kind of portrayed as a little bit dumb. And she's like, what? I can't have layers? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it is, it is like that, that all these characters who otherwise are very don't you know sort of background characters nobody's a throwaway yeah and that's true especially nobody's just playing a role like a role to progress the plot right it's all about these characters giles is interesting the mom is interesting i guess willow's you promised me that the mom would be interesting willow's boyfriend oz has his own arc and he just started off like kind of a cool side character yeah seth green oh that's cool i want to say i could be remembering this wrong but there's a guy who is kind of made fun of in a lot of the episodes. Does like Xander have a cool arc? Yeah. Xander has some cool moments. And There's something very likable about Xander. Yeah, and he's very naturally funny in a similar way. Well, in a way like 
like you know who else he's funny what what's that dude's name donald o'connor oh <laughs> that's how he's funny i was he's like he gives me off a similar vibe to me as matthew perry not the same caliber but like a similar sense of humor okay whatever you say Rob. okay <laughs> but yeah no i think that's a good thing to point out is that no one is underdeveloped and i think this episode is another good example of what i was talking about with band candy wait can you say the same thing about the villains it fluctuates from episode to episode. Some, like, I promise you, are strong and have about the mayor? stories. The mayor... The mayor's not interesting. It's been a while since I've seen season three. The master wasn't interesting. Was season he? one, I generally tell people to skip season one. If where, they're like... Where were you when I started this show? Oh, you suffered through season one? Oh, yeah. Whenever I introduce people to the show, I show them season two first, and then we go back to season one. Huh. It's rough. Season one is not aged very well. I think we have more to talk about about the show in general, but we can touch on that in the next few episodes. So I think we'll call it here. Next week, we'll be watching our third Buffy episode, season five, episode 16, The Body. And we'll see you then. See you next time and have an amazing week. You almost said week twice. It's true. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing it until you mess it up. <laughs> and then that'll be the new thing. Did you ever watch Charm? No, I didn't. And I wonder I, how that is. I'm curious about that as well. Good night.